This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Phoenix, Arizona. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 1st, episode 1985, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Big Wednesday, the day you face your own biggest challenge, the day you risk it all, the day you either distinguish yourself or fade into the crowd. Hang on, we're hitching a ride. Daddy, I want another pony. I put 40 hours in this weekend, man, it's only Wednesday. I've been cussing this damn heat all day long, there's got to be another way. So I pick up my guitar and I ride. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday morning. I have, I got over the last couple of days about, uh, 10 auditors who decided to send me this story. So if I don't cover it, they're all going to be mad at me. And it's a sad day in the horse world. I'll tell you why. Oh, no. It's very sad. Why are people sending you sad news? That sad sounds terrible. Sad news. Um, BronyCon 2019 <laughs> will be the longest BronyCon in history and also the last one. That's correct. What? My Little Pony, oh, the tragedy. Friendship is Magic, BronyCon, is ending next year at the Baltimore Convention Center from August 1st through the 4th, 2019. Apparently, big surprise, attendance has been dropping. So, <laughs> I love their logic here. Attendance has been dropping, so they want to go out in style. So, they're adding a day next year, the last year. So, instead of three days, they're doing four at BronyCon. That's a lot of days to be dressed up like a rainbow-colored pony. I'm mean, just saying. Now, for those that are new to the show and are going, what the heck is BronyCon? BronyCon is the celebration of My Little Pony, mostly by men. That's the name. BronyCon means men who celebrate. So they're bronies, called bronies, like bros like bro. that like the ponies. Bros Barony that like the ponies, yes. And uh, I, we have an exclusive invitation to attend and do a live show from BronyCon next year. So... What do you think, James? <gasps> okay, but I'm, in. I'm jumping in because if you guys do it, I have to. I have to be there. I have to be there. <laughs> Are you a brony? A brony yet? Is no, there... I'm a people watcher. <laughs> well, there'd be people watching at that thing. That's for sure. <laughs> there are many days where I thought my child might go down the road of brony. Oh no! To the point where, when the move, there was a movie. A My Little Pony movie, and it came out, and there was a previews all over, and he ecstatically wanted to go see the movie. And yes, as a good mother, I took him on opening day to like the ten a.m. Of course, showing. you did. <laughs> and I found that as excited as he was, that was one of the best eight dollar naps I've ever had. Because <laughs> he was totally enthralled. He was enthralled, and they have those reclining seats at this theater, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> but 
if that's what he wants to support, then I will be there for him. However, I feel like he might have grown out of the My Little Pony phase. Well, that's good because Chad would be jumping out of the cockpit of his plane. Oh, my God. Can I just tell you that when My Little Pony is on and your son is watching it and your husband walks in the room who's all like still dressed in his flight suit, he's like, turn the crap off. What are you doing? This is the worst parenting. You're terrible. Turn that crap off. I don't want him watching My Little Pony. And I'm like, are you a closet brother? Like, are you sensitive about it because like, you love it so much? Like, what's going on? We're going to have to invite Chad along next year to BronyCon 2019, the final BronyCon. I can see him, like, with a little unicorn horn and glitter and just, like, throwing it around and, like, doing this little, like, passage, you know? We're going to have to do a poll with the auditors to see what, who we dress up as, the three of us. We'll see which oh, one. my gosh. I'll be. I have to be Rainbow. Uh, Rain, what's her name? Rainbow Dash. Or Pinkie Pie. You're <laughs> Pinkie Pie, for sure. What's Jemmy? What's Jem- I have no, I have oh no idea. Oh, my God. I, if I knew another is. one of the oh, names. The top. Yeah. <laughs> if I knew, we Applejack. You're Applejack. That's right. I think it's Apple. Is that racist? Apple fritter. Is that Applejack. racist? No. No. Okay. What? Just check. It wasn't the black oh. pony, Glenn. Okay. It was it's the just, yellow pony. Is black pony. We have mercy. We just got, went off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to see. Uh, I thought we the, were already the... off the rails talking about bronies, and then you just took us <laughs> way off the cliff. I mean, really. <laughs> I'm trying to look for my uh, my little pony names to see here because you know we have nothing else to do today. Uh, what I'm is coming? You, what is Rainbow Dash is Lucas's favorite. Rainbow Dash, yeah. There's Twilight Sprinkle, Pinkie Pie, Twilight Sparkle, Rarity, Twilight Sparkle. There's Fluttershy, uh, yeah. Applejack, Princess Lua. God, there's a lot of Rainbow Ponies. Um, Derpy Hooves. Who wants to be Derpy Hooves? I don't know. I don't. Might be me. That might sound. That sounds like me. I'm gonna be Big <laughs> Macintosh. I'm gonna be Big Macintosh. Uh, and Jemmy's what little apple or whatever you said. Those are like totally apple not apple. really primary characters, Glenn. That you're naming. <laughs> I'm okay? looking at the brony mm-hmm. list. There's Miss Cupcake. Um, no, not primary. Who wants to be Pound Cake? Uh, <laughs> not a primary. <laughs> Oh, I feel like that that means something totally different in a prison. <laughs> and now we really are off the rails. Jimmy, what's coming up on today's show? I've got to I've got to wrangle this a little bit here. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, whew. On today's show, in our <laughs> weekly horse health report, guest Dr. Brittany Beal of Whiskey River Large Animal Mobile Veterinary in my birth state of North Carolina will join us, dive into a Facebook post about colic that went viral, and we give you the latest in bad advice for horse people, by horse people, and crappy list Wednesday. Then we'll chat with the winner of Tevis Cup, Heather Reynolds, plus Jamie gives us the epilogue of the Opium Equation. So you don't miss any of it. It's a packed show as always today, guys. And speaking of today... Today is a day for me to get just a little bit punny, and I make no apologies because today is both Spider-Man Day and Worldwide Web Day. Coincidence? I don't think so. Have a marvelous day, everyone. I see what you did there. I got that. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie's on it today. We are a superhero home right now. We went from My Little Pony to the Avengers, okay? Like hardcore from one pink cartoon to like, you know, 
murdering uh, in space aliens that are coming through a hole in the atmosphere. That's where we and are Dad now. Dad breathed a big sigh of relief. Oh, you bet. You bet. I, I, I was like to say, Jimmy, the difference between a PG movie and a PG-13 movie is the amount of explaining you have to nice. do. <laughs> That's so true. Oh my God, you're so right. Like, what happened here? Why can't you just watch it? Mom, what does that guy do? What's it? What happened? Where'd he go? Where'd that guy go? I'm like, they grew up. This is the next scene. Move on. Okay, sorry. Go. They grew up. What's a jail sentence, mommy? Yeah, I know. It's just just the ex- amount of explaining you have to. I like to call it boy explaining. Um, what I have to do. All right, we have to get on with the show. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm only gonna play this once, but there's a lot of them. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> oh, happy birthday to auditors Joy Orr, Danielle Rigby, Denise Driver, and Amanda Kramer. Also a happy birthday to Mary's mom, Linda Kitzmiller, who I've met, and she's very lovely. Uh, and also my brother David, his birthday. My, that's my oldest brother. He's really old. He's not listening. No, he's, he's listening. really old. Not a Actually, he might be. He knows that I give him his birthday every year. So happy birthday, David. He's really old. <laughs> he's really that's old. That's so nice. <laughs> um, and then also the host of the podcast, Piper Clem. It's her birthday as well. So a ton of them going on today. My daily Winnie goes out to dear sweet, like the brightest angel on the planet that I have ever had the pleasure to meet. I met yesterday. Oh my gosh. I don't think that rainbow dash has nothing on her. Okay. <laughs> Pinkie pie is considered negative. When you put her up next to Miss Coronado, Mrs. Coronado is, that is really her Lucas's. name. Miss Coronado. Mrs. Mrs. Coronado. Gosh, she she is like Lucas's star. New kindergarten teacher. Uh, she has been teaching kindergarten for 21 years. And people are like, how did you get Miss Coronado? She is the most coveted kindergarten teacher in the state of Arizona. <laughs> well, I got her. Award-winning yeah. Mrs. Coronado. Mrs. Coronado, she just did win an award. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> yes, she did. From uh, It doesn't matter. Anyway. She is Lucas's new kindergarten teacher. And let me tell you, every single day he went to pre-K. He went to preschool twice a week. And every morning we'd wake up. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to. And I'm like, dude, this is pre-K. This is way too early for this crap to start happening. <laughs> you need to be in high school before you start complaining like this. He woke up at 6 a.m. yesterday, which he didn't have to be up till 7. <laughs> He's like, ready to go. Get dressed. He's ready to go. He wears his little school uniform now and he gets in the car and he's so excited and relaxed. His best friend Jensen's in his class. He's excited. He gets there. He goes into school. You know, we have to like go in as teachers. It was called the cry and buy. And it's only just like a half day and you basically send the kids off. And the cry and buy is not for the children. The crying is for the parents. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to cry. And then the Mrs. Coronado gives everybody a note and says, you're only allowed to open it in the car when you're leaving. So Chad and I walk out to the car. Uh, you know, Luke is like, peace out. Bye. Like later, you don't care. One bit. I get in the car. I open the note. I read the first line. I'm like, Pfft. This is nothing. Bye. You know, freedom. And then I open the note at the first line. I'm like, oh, 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 God. 
Like, this note was designed to mess with my emotions as a woman. Just not fair. Anyway, so I read this note and start crying. Chad has to finish it because I'm sobbing so hard I couldn't even read the note in <laughs> the, the card What the hell did she him. say? <laughs> oh, my God. It was like, I promise to take good care of your sweet angel. I know it's like just yesterday he was being born and now you're oh, sending right. like, That oh is my designed God. to just mess with you. <laughs> oh, totally. One of the other moms was like, yeah. This is the second time I've had her. You're going to cry. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to cry. He's going up to kindergarten. I'm like, It'd be cold. better if the note said, I'm going to take care of your little brat. If he ever gets yeah. out of hand, he's going to stay in the corner. It's I'm like, going to put him in the principal. That's office. right. No, it was like, it was like the sweetest, like I said, Pinkie Pie and Rainbow Dash have nothing on Mrs. Coronado. And so, like, I mean, there was like glitter in the note. I mean, we're, I'm serious. This is like the... Just a fluttering butterfly of a teacher, right? And so, anyway, um, he gets back. I go to pick him up, and you know, there's like a line. We're practicing the traffic and all that, and how we where we go. And and he comes out of the car. He opens the door. He goes, "Mom, that was awesome. That is way better than stupid Trinity." <laughs> That's his old school. Or he was like, "I was trying to get him a little religion." Okay, he went to religious school. He's like. Oh, it's Tuesday. I have to go to chapel. I hate chapel. Like, he was like not into it at all. Now he's all about it because like all they did was make crafts yesterday. You know? <laughs> so he's like super excited. Anyway, it was really cool. It's one of those moments that you just have as a parent. Um, I guess. I mean, it's my first time. Um, but it's like a rite of passage. Your kid goes off to kindergarten, and I'm I was really happy. A lot of first. Really I know Jemmy's little one goes to first grade, right, Jemmy? And there's gonna be there's a lot of them coming up here. They're gonna be sending their kids off. This is really yeah. early. Though. God, it just is August first. I hope his teacher is as magical as Lucas's teacher. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, this woman is like. It doesn't even make sense. I got this folder and all this stuff. She I mean, sounds like Joy from Inside Out. You know, Inside yes! Out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she, she reminds you of Joy. <laughs> there is no bad <laughs> memories on that day. around yeah. and glitter just flying off her. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much that's Mrs. Coronado. All right. Okay. Well, we're we're gonna go from that to talking about a, a uh, something I cannot even pronounce the name of. We're gonna I'm gonna go, go with is this. Sequel tropherization. Horses in the morning. Horse health report. When our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. Trocherization. That's what I'm going to go with. We've got Brittany Beal on, and she is from Whiskey River, large animal mobile veterinary uh, in North Carolina. Hello, Brittany. Hi. Hi. How are y'all? Great. Thank you so much for joining us. You are joining us because something that you posted, you guys posted um, on Facebook, went very viral, and it's really intrigued a lot of people, and it seems like... I mean, it's pretty, pretty hardcore. So talk to us about what sequel <laughs> trocherization is. And did I say it right? We, we did. Um, and it, 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 certainly we try to post pictures of cases, especially cases that go well uh, to our clients so that they can learn a little bit and kind of celebrate with us. But we call it sequel trocherization. You're saying it exactly right. And Look at in you, veterinary Jamie. medicine, a trocar. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said, "Look at Jamie go pronouncing it correctly." Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did well. She did well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
In veterinary medicine, a trocar is any type of an instrument that goes into a body cavity to release most normally gases. Um, and in, in this case, in this mare, we had determined during her colic that her intestines were paralyzed. Uh, the, the term for that is ileus. They're not moving. So in order to buy her time until her intestines would turn back on, we decided that we were going to take a risk and we were going to trocarize her into her large intestine or, in a sense, into her cecum. The cecum is a part of the large intestine on a horse that is kind of like a big pouch, very much like, a say, the appendix of, of a human. But horses actually use their appendix where, where we don't. So isn't the cecum where isn't the cecum where fermentation occurs? Yes, it's actually yes, you're exactly right. It's where all of the fermentation occurs in the horse's intestines, and that is the probably one of the more important parts of the horse's intestinal tract. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like when you said it's an appendix, like our appendix doesn't do anything, but the cecum cecum actually does have a function, right? I mean, I, oh, I yeah. know a very re- large function. It just, it out pouches from the, in, from the intestines, like, a, like an appendix in, in the people in, in human. Gotcha. Okay. Wait now, a minute. Reason- I'm just, I'm just looking at the pictures. What you're basically telling us <laughs> is you took a big ass long needle and stuck it halfway through the horse and relieved <laughs> some gas yeah. is what I'm getting out of this. Yeah. Okay. We sure did. Okay. That's what I thought. That's what I <laughs> in thought. In this, you know, and again, it's not it's not something that's performed on on a lot um, at all. It is something that can be done to a very specific type of colic. Colic is a general term that means pain from the abdominal cavity, and there's a lot, a lot of different reasons why a horse may colic. Um, that's why we work with your veterinarian, or you should work with your veterinarian to figure out exactly the cause. And in just this particular small case, the cause was that her intestines were not moving. Um, so that is what we determined to do for her to try and help by her time. We were giving her pain medications. We had pasta nasogastric tube and rectal her. Nothing was necessarily holding her over. Uh, she did not have the option of referring into the university for medical or surgical management. So Mm -hmm. we took a risk, you know, at that point we were going to do something that maybe might help. um, But if we didn't do anything at all, we were going to lose her. So we Mm -hmm. did, we decided in this point, we kind of dug through our bag of tricks and what we used was an 14 gauge uh, intravenous catheter. We sterile prepped the area. We were able to know kind of where to go based on the anatomy of the horse. And then also we use what we call percussion. We kind of bang on the side of the horse, listen with our stethoscope to hear the resonance of that big old bubble of gas. That's most likely in the cecum at that point, because that's the area that the cecum sits normally in the horse. And we clipped and prepped and went ahead and went right through. We went, took about four inches of those, that five, five and a half inch needle before we actually hit where we were going to go. There was a loud pop and a lot of fizzing and probably in about (laughs) 15 minutes, she was, she was uh, almost a hundred percent better. Now, of course her guts were not moving, but her comfort level was significantly improved and she was able to maintain herself. We did, we went for a few little walks and she stood quietly in her stall 
for about four hours, she had that needle in and we decided to pull it out when she was pretty comfortable. And luckily for us, her guts did turn back on and she she's doing well. Dr. MacGyver. Is, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But that is not something that I have a lot of, uh, What what is the diagnosis when the guts turn off? Like what, what is that? Is it because the, the gut, the gut shut down because there was too much gas ahead of it or. Well, for, for her, you know, for her case, we're not really sure exactly what happened or why her gut stopped moving. We were just hoping to buy her time until they possibly turn back on. Some people will, will argue the point of when you do trocherize something, you allow that portion of the gut to deflate that will sometimes stimulate the gut to start contracting and moving again. In her case, when when the gut stops moving, the the bugs or the you know biome of the gut, they're still producing gas. They're still digesting food. They're still producing gas. When the intestines aren't moving that along, they just start filling up like a big hot air balloon. Mm-hmm. I think what, what happened when this went viral, and I was reading some of the 2,000 comments that you got on your post, yeah. is, and <laughs> you know, this is what the problem with something going viral is people don't look at the whole picture. And I think right. what tended to happen is everybody's going, oh, it's a miracle cure now for colic. Uh, and No, I, it certainly is not. Yeah, I think, but that's <laughs> the problem, do right? not. Yeah. tried this at, at home, home. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how many people are like i'll just stick a big ass needle in my horse and i'll get like oh my god please call no, your veterinarian. you need to have you need exactly call your veterinarian you need to have veterinary training they need to be able to come out and determine the actual cause of the colic it and you know this particular type of colic is is not as common as what most of us see in practice you know volvuluses or twists uh impactions or things of that nature. Um, yes, we do get gas colics, but oftentimes the gut's not paralyzed. This, again, I mean, and, and there's lots of folks that have posted on their comments, no, 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 it's a very specific type of colic, and that is the truth. Um, it's not a new procedure. We've known about it, and veterinarians have used it for a long, long time. I, Probably not as common in horses. Like Doc, they, like many people commented in, in cattle. That's right. That's where thing. I saw, I saw this 30 mm-hmm. years ago. I was at a farm. I used to work with dairy farmers and I was at a farm and they were doing this on a cow 30 years ago. Um, and, but mm-hmm. cows tend to have more of this kind of colic, right? Cows do because yes. again, they have the four stomach chambers. They have a rumen and that's, it's, it's also a fermentation compartment but it's a lot larger and they are more susceptible to bloat or just filling up with gas when they eat certain things. Horses, not so much. The, the reason horses may fill up with gas are, are very different than cattle. Got it. Unbelievable. Well, so did you, when you saying that people have done this for a long time, were you guys surprised at how viral it did go and how many people were so excited about it? We were very surprised. We were very surprised. <laughs> Did you get any uh, new people uh, coming as clients because of this? Uh, not that I've noticed just yet, but we definitely got a lot more likes on our Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. We well, had a few folks contact us with questions, and we answered them as best we can, um, but they're not always 
they weren't in our area. So we can't, you know, without seeing an animal, we can't answer too much. So, <laughs> Where are you right. in North Carolina, by the way? We are in the western part of the state, the very western part oh, of the yeah. state. We're in Franklin, North Carolina, and we're in the mountains. So um, it's pretty awesome over here. We'll be coming up for two weeks for World Equestrian Games to try on. So we'll be in your area. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes, yes. That'll be just down the road from where we're at. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Do you have any space on your floor for some people that need a place to stay? That's right. (laughs) That'd be great. Unfortunately, we do not. And and it, you're probably still where we're at. You're probably a good hour and 45 minutes. So, okay. Um, There'll be people staying that far away. Believe me. We had one of the riders yesterday, uh, as a side note, just because you live there, one of the riders yesterday couldn't get the, the, Rider Hotel had filled up, so they had to get on his own. $600 a night for like a quality inn in Asheville. It was crazy wow. for the WEG. Yes. Do it's I read be a madhouse. I'm- Do I read here that you you were a country singer before you uh, became a vet? Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so are you out there singing all day long on your truck? Mainly in the car, yes, in the truck. <laughs> So how long did you do that? I started singing shoot when I was just a little girl and thought I wanted to be a big star, just like every little girl does. And I sang probably right through high school and did some competitions when I was in undergrad. And that school really kind of takes your takes your time away. And so I had to focus more on that once I actually decided I was going to vet school and then I got in. So. So uh, I- okay, here's his question. Here's what he wants. <laughs> we play we play a song on our show every day by an un uh, like published musician. You like published, but not uh, signed, an unsigned, so an independent. Sure. Do you have any mm-hmm. independent songs that we can add to our list of songs that we play? Well, I I do not have any original music, so I don't know how that would be allowed. Um, yeah, I, I, I do have a song it. that you guys could look up. I, yes, no, it's it's a it's a cover song that I rewrote. That would uh, I don't know how that would work. So it's not original. I already YouTube. Original I already I Googled her it. on YouTube to find oh, if any music, and I was going to play <laughs> her segment out with it, but I couldn't find any. So oh, I tried. I tried really. Oh hard. no! Well, it's, I mean, it's out there on YouTube. I don't know why you can't find it, but it is. It is not technically an original song. So. <laughs> See, you probably can't YouTube Dr. Beale. It needs to be just Brittany. <laughs> Dr. MacGyver. Yes, We're going to change if, her name now. Dr. MacGyver. You, yes. If, <laughs> if you YouTube Brittany Beale and uh, search Billy's song, it should come up. I have that right here, public. actually. Brittany. Yes. I didn't realize that was the same one because it... It listened as Brit. Oh, there it is. You're right. Billy song. What year did you post this? <laughs> it was just posted in 2018, according to this. I, yes, I did that this Valentine's Day for my husband. <gasps> all right, we're going to play a piece of it. Screw them. Um, so right we're going to. I want to hear it. All right, right now. let's, let's uh, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Can't just hang up on her and play it. I want to hear a response. <laughs> and sign up for this. <laughs> never calling again. I I don't think I did. (laughs) She will never hear from her again. That space on the floor is gone. The first time I 
my god What's up, Reba? How did you not get a deal? <laughs> oh my god. Well, it, it takes time and money to make money. So here's I do the it thing on now and here's the thing, Brittany. When uh you are on the voice, will you pick Blake or are you gonna go with Adam? Like, I mean, you know, when they <laughs> flip their chairs around. I guess I'll have to decide who's who, who switches around fastest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pick the first one. The good strategy. Good strategy. Do you watch all those shows and think about going on? Do, have you ever thought about it? Not. I've thought about it. It was my backup plan if I couldn't find a job after vet school, but <laughs> everything worked out like it should have. <laughs> well, I think you sound like Reba McIntyre, but younger and uh, better. So, congratulations! That's awesome. You should you should Thank follow you. up with that. Your husband is a, a lucky man to have such a talented uh, <laughs> songbird of a wife. That's awesome, and congratulations on this uh, this procedure that uh, you guys brought to light for horses, and you saved uh, saved a life. So, I mean, I'm that's Thank way better you. than singing. It's way better to save a horse's life than. Sing well. <clears throat> yes, we get to see this air grow old, and it's going to be great. We're, we're glad to have her around still. Thank you well, guys so much. Thank you, well, Dr. Thank Beale. You, She's Dr. Glenn Beale. never coming on our show no, again. We're going to be no. begging her to come back no, on. She's she, like, no. No, I'm not no. doing that. Not with those two. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to call this, by the way, that sequel trekkers, the thing that you call this, we're just going to call it the Beale procedure from now on because it's much easier. Okay, I've renamed. No, well, that that's okay. However, I did not invent it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It doesn't matter. We don't, you know, we don't care on this show. Uh, so <laughs> clearly, <laughs> thank you, Doctor Beale. Let's play her, play her song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, keep okay. going. I want to hear more. We'll do. Thanks, Doctor Beale. You're welcome. Thank you. No, it's really good. You know I'm a talented singer, but if I sing like that, I would never talk. I would just sing <laughs> all the time. Yeah, well, you know, do you think she sings to the horses? God, with that voice, she could just, she could cure colic without a big-ass needle. She's like doing a rectal. She's like, forever. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I, I hadn't listened to that beforehand, and I was I was shocked. She's really good. She's really good. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> what if it was bad? That was really high pressure. What it if was. we were like, wow, that's super good. Way to go. Like that was really risky, Glenn. Do you do you think that any veterinarian that comes on our show has any clue what they're getting into? I feel like there needs to be at the AAEP like a booth about us, like a warning. <laughs> if you're going to come on this show, you need to be prepared for these ten things. We need a yeah. we need a handout. <laughs>
We need a handout. Glenn will <laughs> internet stalk you and find out everything about you beforehand. <laughs> she was shocked when I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, speaking of shocking, I just typed in the letter H on my search bar, and guess what popped up? Uh, on your search bar for where? What's my computer? Um, Horselovers.com. I type ah. in the H and it goes to horselovers.com. Is that a bad sign? That's a, probably that a... Uh, means you've been there a few times. <laughs> like, I mean, I go to Horse Nation, Horses in the Morning, Horse Radio Network. Nope. I type in the H. Boom. It's like, oh, horselovers.com. Here we go. Well, I was on there earlier and, you know, carrots is one of the most popular brands out there and they have a carrot summer top sale, not a winter top sale, which is what you would expect this time of year. They actually have the carrot summer tops, which I've seen probably more riders wearing than anything else. And they have the long sleeve cooling ones that you see a lot of those, like Jennifer wears them all the time here in Florida. Um, they're on sale right now for 20% off. So if you normally wear the carrots tops and you're looking at getting a couple more, I would head over to Horse Lovers today because as we know, their sales don't last long. They change every day. So you want to go visit horselovers.com every day. But right now, yeah, like 68% off of Devonair closeouts. And then the Noble Outfitters also, they have great summer shirts. Uh, I use, I wear a lot of Noble Outfitters stuff. The carrots tops are on sale. I mean, there's just always a new deal. Dang it. And this stupid commercial costs me money every week. <laughs> I've got to get some of those shirts. If you're a Western rider, you know about the Fallon Taylor helmets. Well, they have them on closeout right now. She comes out with new lines with new fancy fancy colors and stuff. They have them for $54 right now. a noble outfitter sale in my face. I am in trouble. I know. I know. There's lots of cool stuff on here. They also have a $250 shopping spree. You can enter to win that. If you go over there right now, you can sign up to win that. And who doesn't want $250 to uh, buy stuff with? Plus, they have the largest selection of products on the internet in the horse world. So head on over to horselovers.com today. Use the coupon code HRN at checkout. And you'll get $5 off your order of $49 or more. And, of course, you're going to spend more than that anyway. So use HRN at checkout for $5 off your order of $49 or more. Uh, We have... uh, What's coming up next? I totally... uh, Come on, I lost my page. It closed. Um, I got some bad advice. Ah, bad advice for horse people. Bad advice for horse people by horse people. Well, in the world of equestrianism, there are times that sometimes, sometimes a horse person may adamantly give advice. And, and sometimes that advice is really good. They're like, oh my God, your horse has ulcers. And then sometimes it's really, really bad advice. Like, oh my God, your horse has ulcers. So um, I found a wonderful post where uh, this this young lady is, is asking for help. Here's the, here's the question. Does anybody else's OTTB just absolutely hate being touched, brushed, or messed with? My six-year-old has a huge attitude and like pins his ears and snaps at me whenever I brush him or just pet him in a stall. He never actually bites me. He just likes to put up a fight. <laughs> yes. 
Okay. Horses love to just put up a fight. He is on aloe and alfalfa to prevent ulcers and doesn't seem to be sore anywhere. He just prefers to be left alone. For those of you that have dealt with this, is brushing and petting something you can eventually get them to enjoy or making him tolerate it? At least what is the best I can get him to do? And then she has a picture of the horse that she calls Mr. Grumpy. Now, there was 176 comments Underneath this post, which I don't need can to tell guess, you the can page. I guess, can I guess? Can I guess? Can I guess? Go ahead. A hundred and how many were there? hundred seventy-six. A hundred and seventy-five of them where he has ulcers. No, surprisingly. Oh, really? Only about a hundred and twenty <laughs> where he has ulcers. <laughs> okay. There were a lot more, and so I'm just going to go through. I mean, obviously he has ulcers. That is clearly what everybody's going to say. So I wanted to reach for some of the ones that may not address certain medical concerns okay. <laughs> like this one. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, your horse is trying to be dominant. You need to stand up to him. Next time he snaps at you, you tell him firmly, no, and you pop him on the shoulder. I did this with my horse and he looked at me like, oh, Okay. And now I get nuzzles when I'm working with him. Okay, so <laughs> so your horse is describing pain and you hit him and now he loves you. That makes a lot of sense. Again, remember the segment is bad advice for horse people. By horse people. Um, he needs to be solely on a Himalayan salt rope diet. Uh, that, that's, that's not a that. diet. That's something they lick on occasionally. <laughs> I, I, you, you're just feed, how much Himalayan salt are you giving your horse every day? My OTTB hates being fussed with until she's tied up, and then she is the biggest doll. Tie your horse up. Maybe it will be a doll. That. It just reminds me of being, being, and this is one of the most bizarre things we've ever seen, and I know people do it, and I just don't think it's right. My opinion, when we were at Norco, remember when we were on that back road doing the trail ride, and the horse was tied to the tree by the edge of the road, tied yes. to the tree branch, for an entire day? I don't remember that. You don't remember that? I don't remember that. I feel like that would have made me call. Somebody. Well, no, but you, I cannot believe you don't remember that unless you weren't on that particular ride. But we, I, you were with us the whole time. The horse was tied to a tree branch on the sidewalk by the road, and we asked why. And apparently, that particular owner believes in training the horses to get used to traffic by tying them to the tree oh, branch yeah. by the road. Yes. I Standing there that. in the sun all day on the sidewalk by the road. Yeah. 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 I should have called somebody. Yeah. <laughs> should have, could have, would have. Um, another person says, um, too much alfalfa. You're giving your horse too much alfalfa. Have you ever, I mean, then of course, I do you had a treat for ulcers, blah, blah, blah. Too much alfalfa can flare up the ulcers. The next page was clearly you're not giving your horse enough alfalfa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one for you, Glenn. Uh, did you rule out Lyme's disease? That's another thing that people are pretty up on right now. 17 posts about ulcers. And then 
The OTT bay I just sold, well, he used to pin his ears at me anytime I walked into a stall and sometimes even when I'd approach his stall. So I basically forced him to get over me being in his space. So I would constantly approach him and I would just stand there in his stall really close to him and he would pin his ears at me and he would get mad and I wouldn't retreat. And so his only option was to get comfortable with me until he wiped that look off his face. (laughs) Don't recommend doing that. Yeah. You know what? She's lucky she still dead. has a face, actually. <laughs> I know. That's what I was thinking. Um, my horse, uh, I have a couple more, just a couple. My horse, Joe the Plumber, is not a fan of grooming either. Let me stop there. Yes, she said her horse's name is it's Joe the Joe Plumber. Joe the Plumber. <laughs> I know. That's, what I, that's the only thing I'm going to hear. <laughs> you can forget the rest. I, that's all I heard. That's pretty much why I read that <laughs> yeah, one. Joe the Plumber. I don't care what grooming. she said. Her horse's name is Joe brushes. the Plumber. <laughs> I give him the evil eye when he disapproves. So she trains her horse by also giving him the evil eye. Um. <laughs> here's here's the the flooding technique like you said tie him up and brush him every day he'll get over it <laughs> by the road would be better i think it's not at all and and by the way she clearly said her horse is an ottb here's a here's a great piece of advice horses have lived off the land for thousands of years not every single problem needs to be a supplement I'm pretty sure that a racehorse, if it was to live off the land, would die almost almost immediately. <laughs> so don't 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 use that advice either. Um, some horses just have attitude problems. And then the next person wrote word. <laughs> <laughs> the next person, great advice. Use a soft brush, calm music, and cookies. So what another would, one. So l- 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 I think that's enough. So what? Uh, would, the last one yeah. was cal- use calming music. It would definitely well, help you, his mind. The, oh, if you had Doctor Brittany sing to that horse, that horse would be eating out of your hands <laughs> in no time. It'd be standing there to get brushed. So and now uh, we have about five minutes. We have to get to the famous horses. What? Uh, what would uh, the Monty Roberts School do in this case? Um. A horse that doesn't like to be touched, if it is aggressive or just hypersensitive, those are two different things. Uh, We just had a horse um, in the advanced uh, course that I just taught, and it was very, very, very touchy. I, I mean, as a as a person that has had horses that are hypersensitive, something that I would suggest would be a magnesium supplement. You try to find out why your horse is behaving like that. But this particular horse did not have any physical problems. It just was super touchy, like almost afraid. And so you get in your horse's bubble, you get right next to it, and you touch them. And And the girls were so scared to brush, and they would like barely brush, barely brush, barely. No, get in there and brush. Desensitize that area. Get in there and let them know that nothing hurts. When you tiptoe around them, they're like, oh my God, why are they tiptoeing around me? Get in there and be a part of the horse. Obviously, you have to make sure that the first thing you have to make sure in behaviors is that your horse is physically okay. So, you know, I'm sorry to say, ulcers and magnesium deficiencies and Lyme disease, all of these things are actually real problems. <laughs> they're ch- I mean, I know we joke about them, but they're real, especially with an off the track thoroughbred. Right. So just kind of <clears throat> know your horse and know like a horse that has ulcers. 
is not just going to be touchy. There's going to be other problems, weight loss. There's going to be bad coat. You know, you have to look at your whole horse, look at your horse and see what they're telling you in general. How's that? That's good. Actually, Scooter was the same way when we got him. Now, remember, he was malnourished to the point of death. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and some horses do have more sensitive skin than other horses. So if you're trying to brush him with the most aggressive curry comb with the big pointy ends, and he's having a problem with that, maybe try something that's a little nicer. Uh, yeah. So uh, like with Scooter to this day, I cannot use big, nasty curry combs. I have to use more gentle curry combs and more gentle. I cannot use stiff brushes. I have to use medium to soft brushes because he just doesn't like it on his skin, just like some people have their skins more sensitive than other people. So mm-hmm. it's the same way. So that's the other thing. Look don't your horse. Yeah. Know your horse. Yeah, don't go crazy. If the horse doesn't like that particular curry comb, maybe try a different curry comb. He doesn't, you know, he could, in fact, just have thinner skin and a more sensitive skin than than a, than your your draft horse who you can use a jackhammer on um so you know <laughs> and they like it. and they like it he's going oh that feels good so you know it depends on the horse too so you know you might need a different tool i mean look at your tools as well let's not yes. ever look that yeah just look at your horse look at your tool look, look, what what is what are you doing and what is your horse telling you and then you can just be a little like look at the whole situation self uh review you know like look at the look from the outside in so uh it's just uh you know that's it look at your horse what is it telling you all right speaking of horses we can get jemmy involved in this one if she's still there Uh, she thinks she's falling asleep uh, no, usually, I'm still here. Okay, she usually takes a she, nap she about this point. She just woke in the up. Show. Yes, Literally that's right. Just woke up <laughs> for the horse health segment. She's napping and you know coming back. Not true. Actually, I learned something on the horse health health segment today. Um, I, I had always thought that colic was like a very specific thing, and I learned today that it's kind of a general term for pain in the gut, and it can be attributed to many things. Look at, you Look at you learning. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> so I have a list here that was put together by a website called Top 10. And, oh you know, they're going to be experts in horses. You know that because it's a website <laughs> called Top 10 HQ. And Top 10 HQ does all kinds of Top 10 lists. And they put together a list of the Top 10 most famous historical horses. Now, you haven't looked, neither one of you have looked at this list. So, Jemmy is not a horse person for new listeners. Nope. So, Jemmy, we're going to see if you've heard of any of these top 10 Jimmy, horses. Jemmy, let's, let's <laughs> just go with this. Can you, like, name a, su- like, name the first super famous horse that pops in your brain? Seabiscuit. Ding, ding, wow, ding. Wow, look I, at I, you. I can also, I, I can also name Justify now. Yay. That's Yay. Cool. <laughs> look at you. Two. She's got Does two. Black Beauty count? <laughs> Perfect. So that's another one. Okay, Glenn is. Let's start with Sea Biscuit. Ding, ding, ding! Number one on the list. Look at you go, Jemmy. Was that on your number one too, Jamie? I I just I didn't create numbers. I created categories. Okay. All right. So, (laughs) so so we've got the one that Jemmy knows. Let give me some of yours, and we'll see if it's on this list that was I think put together by non-horse people. Her second one was Black Beauty. Is that on the list? Black Beauty was not a real horse. My <laughs> second one was Justify. Black Beauty was a joke. Yeah, and so <laughs> it is. So it's thank- not a joke, Glenn. <laughs> so thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate that. Black Beauty is not on the list. Okay, so I I like nerded out on this and and went with categories. So I went with like horses that served 
in the military, we've got Sergeant Reckless. Ding, ding, ding. Number eight on the list. Okay. If Sergeant Reckless uh, wasn't on this list, I wouldn't have brought you the list. Yeah, yeah. I would have been really unhappy. Yeah. What about Traveler? Um, let me see. Uh, wait a minute. I thought I saw. Nope, not on the list. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to go back if Secretariat's number or Seabiscuit's number 1, I got to have Secretariat. Nope, not on the list. <laughs> what about we're going to go more historical, Men of War? Not on the list. What? <laughs> okay, then so those were the racehorse category and I had the horses that served category and now I have the uh horse actor category. Um, I'm going to go with Mr. Ed. <laughs> Good one, Ooh. but not on the list. <laughs> Okay, and that then, wasn't on my list. <laughs> <laughs> following that one up, what about Trigger? Yes, ding, 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 number nine on the list. And of course, okay, okay. Jemmy, who was Trigger's horse? Wait a minute. Uh, I, why can't I think of the? I can't think it's of the guy's right name. There. It was, well, he, uh, it's right darn there. Darn it, he was guitar. one of those gunsling. Guitar. Oh, no, totally no he had a guitar, no, but he was also a gunslinger. Keep going. <sighs> You're close. Ah, uh, you're gonna have to give it to me. I'm not gonna, husband I'm wife. Not gonna land on it. What? Roy, Roy Rogers. Rogers. Uh, not who I was gonna guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sad to say. <laughs> so we have so far we had Sergeant Reckless, Sea Biscuit, and Trigger. Yep. No Secretariat. No Man of War. No Traveler. No Mister Ed. I'm trying to think who the hell else could be on that list. Is it more racehorses? Is think it historical. More... I mean, really historical. George Washington's horse. Um, Aristides was the first ever to win the Kentucky Derby. Nope. You're not thinking historical enough. <laughs> you're, you're, you're gonna, <laughs> you need to go way back in time. Like like cave drawings. Drawings. <laughs> cave drawings. Okay. <laughs> cave drawings. Number 10 was Jim Key. Do you know who Jim Key was? No. Um, <laughs> Jim Key was an incredible performing horse who lived at the turn of the 20th century. It was claimed that he could not only read, write, and perform simple arithmetic, he could also cite Bible passages. He oh performed God. all of the United States, most famously the St. Louis Fair and the Madison Square it, Garden. How does, how does a horse cite a Bible passage? I don't know, and I don't know anything about Jim Key. It sounds to me like we need, we need to get well, a rest of the scoop on Jim Key. Trigger, Ooh, of course... Speaking of- yeah, what about Snowman? Is he on the list? No, I just popped in. Uh, Snowman's on the list. Are you can this is non-horse people there. It's a top ten HQ that wrote this. Um, okay. Trigger, of course, number nine. Sergeant Reckless was number eight, and he should be on any list. She. Or she, I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, Copenhagen was another no. military horse belonging to the Duke of Wellington in 1813. Was ridden into the Battle of Waterloo. And oh, the how did you not guess that, Jamie? How did you Duh. not guess that? <laughs> Gosh, Copenhagen was right on the tip of my tongue. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, you see what I did there? <laughs> How about figure? Do you know who figure is? Oh, I do know who figure is, but I, I'm, uh, it's escaping me right now. He was the foundation sire of the Morgan breed. Oh, okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah, Justin Morgan had a horse, got it. Yes, his name was figure. And figure was the, you know, and the reason that was so important, blah, 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 is that the Morgan was the most popular horse in the beginning of the 20th century. Okay, I've got some more guesses. I'm okay. seeing where this is going. Okay. Bucephalus, Alexander the Great's horse. Uh, Bucephalus is number two on the list. Okay, Yay, and then impressive. any of the, like the Jarley Arabian, the Godolphin Arabian. There you go. Ding, Jarley ding, ding. Number five on the list, the Godolphin Arabian. 
lived in the UK in the 18th century, is famous for being one of the three founders of the modern thoroughbred racing bloodstock. And you would have thought it was Arabian bloodstock, but it's not thoroughbred. Uh, sorry, I meant thoroughbred. Yep. yep. But he okay. wasn't Arabian. Yep. Who else? Uh, number four on the list, Comanche. Nope. Military horse, Captain Miles, Keogh, Battle of Little Bighorn. You know, it's easy to know all the facts about one when you have the lip <laughs> talking like he knows something. He doesn't right? know anything but the words in front of his eyeballs right now. <laughs> Thank you. About, God, about, I love having her on. It's two against one all the time. How about Marengo? Obviously, Marengo should be on the list. I actually knew this one because I read a book about this person. Because you read the list? Go no, ahead. What is no, it? Napoleon source. <laughs> Uh, Napoleon's horse, uh, Battle of Waterloo, oh. all of that. Uh, so that was Marengo. Uh, so not the cave dwellers. By the way, his skeleton can be seen at the National Army Museum in London if you want to see Marengo's skeleton. It's on. And then Bucephalus and Seabiscuit. They did have Seabiscuit number one, so you got to give them credit there. Probably because they watched the movie, whoever wrote it. What this. about Farlap? No Farlap? No, no, no. There's not room for all hundred that we would have on our list. There you go. There's the top 10 famous historical horses, and Jemmy knew one. Yeah. How come the Dolphin Arabian was on there, but not the Byerly Turk or the uh, uh, other one? Or you Mr. Can, Ed. <laughs> you can that. send all of your complaint emails to uh, Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com because she's you know not what? here. And I'm we'll writing her a strongly worded letter <laughs> right now. You should. You definitely should. All right, we have we have a couple of recordings that we're going to play because Jamie has to cut out here a little early today. But yesterday we got to catch up with Heather Reynolds. She is the winner of the Tevis. This is like the eighth year in a row that we're having the winner of the Tevis Cup on, and Heather just happens to be a friend of the Horse Radio Network. Been on our shows before, and I had a lovely conversation with her yesterday. We're going to play that for you. Plus, Jamie so kindly recorded the epilogue. We're it. This is the last chapter of the book this is this is this is and 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 let me tell you for those of you that are like i read the obium equation like forever ago clearly i've read it already there's an addition to this one. that's right there was a specially written section by the author by lisa waisaki the author that's correct can you can you guess what it's about listen to it and tell me if you figure out what the addition was <laughs> And uh, tomorrow we have for you, what do we have tomorrow? We have the driving episode with Dr. Wendy. And then Friday, of course, really bad ads. Get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. 40 and day- your complaints. And, and your complaints. That's correct. 40 days to the World of Question Games, by the way, everybody. It's coming quickly. Oh my it's, God. it's right around the corner. All right. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's uh, hear from Heather Reynolds, who was the winner of the Tevis Cup. On winning your third Tevis. Thank you. It was just an amazing ride. So much fun. Well, that, let's start with that. Let's talk about your ride. It was hot, a little hot. Um, so how did that affect the ride for you? Well, for me, it was hot. And additionally, it was very smoky this year from the fires in the surrounding areas. And for me, the horse I was on, he was a very thick-bodied big horse. And he runs hot even on a good day. So it slowed my ride down during the heat of the day. Where I had to be really careful because the horse is an overachiever. And it would have been really easy to let him overheat. So I had to be pretty careful with that. Was this one of your horses? 
No, this is my friend Hillary's horse. And in 2014, I rode a different one of her horses to a victory, a horse named French Open. But you did have quite a few horses of your own out there with other riders, correct? Correct. Yes, we had two others of our own complete. We started six horses in our group, and we had a 50% completion rate for our personal horses. <laughs> well, which about so, matched the day. I guess it was, what, 42% on the day? Yep. Yeah. What is, uh, what's the toughest part uh, of this particular ride for you? Um, for me, I tend to have this voodoo hex on myself that at Francisco's, which is roughly mile, I think it's 86, I tend to get pulled there. <laughs> so whenever I get beyond that point, I'm pretty happy. Um, because when you get, yeah, when you get disqualified at that checkpoint in particular, you then have to hike up about a three mile, pretty good climb. Uh, to get to the horse trailer because the road's too rough to drive the trailer down unless there's an absolute emergency. So I was relieved to get past that point. Oh, so you're 85% done, and then you have to hike out. That just sucks. Yes, (laughs) and you go the opposite direction. Everyone else headed down to the river where it's nice and cool, and you're climbing up this mountain away from completion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really depressing. (laughs) Now, everybody follows Tevis, and we follow it here. Uh, all of our listeners follow. We were following Dots, and you were pretty much in that first lead group the whole way through. Was that your intention the whole time, or is that just how it worked out? So I think most of the day I was about 20 minutes back, um, running in the back half of the top 10. I think it, at uh, Robinson Flat, I was in roughly 15th place, let's say. I don't know exactly what place, but something like that. And I think I was a good 20 minutes behind um, Lindsay at that point. And then at Robinson, I think I left, I mean, not Robinson, sorry, at Forest Hill, I think I left out of there um, 20 minutes back also, and I was in eighth place leaving there. So I, I just had to do, you know, what was best for the horse I was on because he's just, like I said, so hot. He was panting basically the entire day. So at every little checkpoint, I had to get off, strip a saddle, and try to get him as cooled out as best I could. Um, so that that really controlled what pace I was able to go. The horse was constantly volunteering to go faster, um, so I could have easily <laughs> burned him up. Um, yes, yeah, I was a voice of reason for him that day. Kind of typical Arab, though, right? I mean, they always want to do more than they probably should. Probably, but at, at a certain point, they usually then decide, yeah, you're right, it's pretty hot out. But this guy was like, nope, we're going to Auburn, we're going to Auburn, we're going to Auburn. That was like his mantra all day. We're going to Auburn. I'm like, okay, okay, we're going to get there. Just relax. I think, yeah, my mantra became, because he was pulling on me so much, uh, just to make myself feel happier and be funnier about it, I would keep telling him, Kayuko, slow your roll. And I would literally say that loud, slow your roll. And then he would be accelerating. And then when he just wasn't listening, you know, he would get going. Then I would actually go, meet, meet, Roadrunner, just because it made me laugh and it made me not get angry with him. (laughs) So you (laughs) came back, your legs were not sore, but your arms were killing you after. Yeah, yeah, behind my shoulders is pretty tight now. (laughs) That's funny. Did you have any down points during the ride? Do, do, well, let let me rephrase that because we had this as a uh, question from one of the listeners. Do the top riders like you and Jeremy and everybody, uh, do you get down during a hundred mile ride? Are there a point where you go, why the hell am I out here? Or are you beyond that? You know, that used to happen, but I realized that it's my job as a rider and as the coach of the horse. That's how I view myself, the coach of the horse. He's the athlete. It's my job to make sure that we never have a low spot at the same time. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, it's my job to try to be the one that's always 
alert and on and not have a low because it really does affect the horse. If you start feeling bummed out and going, why are we out here? And the horse is doubly saying that, like, what the heck? She doesn't even want to be out here. That why goes, are we out here? You know, that goes for marriages <laughs> too, Heather. You never want to yeah. both have let's <laughs> fight yeah, at the hello, same time. At the yeah. same time. <laughs> That's right. Speaking <laughs> of which, you were riding with your husband for a while in the beginning there, and then uh, he just saw your back at that. Uh, at some point, was it yeah. about halfway? Yeah, he he was he was ahead of me until about Forest Hill because Jeremy does a tremendous amount of footwork, you know, running, um, mm. because he's done the he's done the Tevis foot race, the Western States hundred mile trail run, so he has the advantage in the canyons that he's on foot the entire way. So actually, we we didn't end up riding together that much, even though on the trackers it seems like we're so close, which we were very close, um, but we weren't actually together because the pacing was a little different. He'd be off running and I'd be you know riding and. Um, but yeah, at, after we left Forest Hill, he was ahead and then his horse was a real, um, enthusiastic forward horse. And at a point on the California loop, his horse decided to let the horse, let Tennessee's horse go on without him and just continue on. He was still cheerful and everything else looked right. But the fact that he let that horse leave, Jeremy thought, no, we're just going to jog in easy. He, you know, when that horse doesn't keep going with the horse that he's with, that's definitely a sign that it's time to back off. So even though the horse is still smiling ears up and the outside observer, he looks tremendous still. He just didn't have the same forward energy that he had had. So he decided to back off at that point, and that's where I passed him. So Tevis is still the gold cup, right? I mean, it's still the one that everybody looks forward to. Is it? Is it? I mean, you've won it three times. Is it still that way for you every time you start? Yeah, Tevis is just magical. I mean, the scenery is second to none. And the challenge, like, even though I won the race, it still feels like it was just me and Kayoko's out there conquering that trail. And it had nothing to do with any of the other riders. Mm-hmm. It was just us against the trail. And then seeing all the scenery, and then there's times when you're completely alone in the vast scenery. It's just a ride completely of its own. And you can't really describe it to someone until they actually go do it and experience it. Have you... And I was talking to a lot of... A lot of first-time riders this time asking them if it was what they had expected. Yeah. And all of them said it wasn't quite, you know, it's indescribable until you go experience it. Huh. Interesting. And and probably ones who were pulled or, or ones who bailed, uh, you know, voluntarily will say the same thing. I mean, it's just... Probably. Yeah, yeah probably. Have you done the one in Australia? What is that one called again? I have not. Yeah, yeah. I have not. The, the Quilty? Yeah, the Quilty. Yeah. Because uh, when we talk to Australians who've done that, it, they kind of give you the same impression. Yeah. Uh, that's their version. Well, yeah. that at leads, we're covering the Mongol Derby extensively here coming up starting next week. So that leads me to the question, does anything like that ever, is that a desire for you? No, the Mongol Derby <laughs> is not a desire for me. <laughs> um, the, the appeal, uh, or the, the lack of appeal there is getting on that many wild horses. Yeah. Not. Really, that interested in that. So, yeah. with, with the amount of money I would spend on that trip, I think I'd like to go to Fiji or something. Yeah, right, <laughs> sit on a beach, <laughs> and you don't have to drink fermented yeah. mare's milk there either. So, that, yeah, uh, there's yeah, that. None of that's going on. <laughs> or, yeah, <laughs> smart woman. Not to not not to knock that adventure at all. It just personally doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it does or doesn't. <laughs> and if it yeah, if you're yeah, going exactly. in half assed, you're gonna get you're gonna be out anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're gonna end up on the ground. <laughs> yeah. They're starting the new one now in Patagonia. We talked to them the other day about it and it looks like that's gonna be an interesting ride. 
would talk about now scenery. that one would appeal to me because I really like that scenery. Yeah, talk about scenery. I mean, that's going to make all the rest yeah. look silly. I think. Uh, yeah. 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 So what, and I got uh, Karen asked this question, what makes you so brave to go so, and you know Karen Chatton, of course, she's got probably more miles than anybody now, um, and her, she did very well, finished a, her eighth one, with, and it's the sixth one with Bo. She asked, yeah, what great. makes you so brave to go so fast on those technical trails? <laughs> I think she's wanting help here. What, what makes you so brave to go so fast? <clears throat> You know, it really depends on the horse, because there have been years when I've ridden certain horses where it's a white-knuckle, puckered experience the entire way. And it's just, it's nerve-wracking, and it's horrible. And then there's other horses, like the one I rode this year, where I never once felt nervous or anxious whatsoever. So, you know, it just really depends on the horse. That makes all the difference in the world. Um, You know, if the horse is really balanced and doesn't trip, you know, is really coordinated, and can move and bend around the switchbacks, it's simple. The one I rode last year was nerve-wracking. He, he would trip, and it was a lackadaisical lack of care. He's not clumsy, but he just could care less. Mm-hmm. And he would trip and be like, what? And then his head would go out over the edge, and uh. the trail would crumble. And, <laughs> and he was like, totally blase, like, whatever. And I'm, meanwhile, like, ah, you know, <laughs> completely freaking out. Yeah, so it does make a difference. And I did realize a few years back when I was on one of those especially nerve-wracking horses, that uh, I came upon a rider that was walking in the dark, crying. And I said, well, what's wrong? And they said, the edge is too scary. I can't get back on. I said, all right. And then I started kind of thinking in my own mind, because I was getting a little weirded out as well. And I realized, to me, if the cliff ledge was to my left, I was much more nervous. And then I kind of, you have hours to think about these things. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm analyzing this, and I go, if it's to my left, I'm way more anxious, and I realized it was because I don't feel as quick and coordinated to dismount to the right. Uh. So then the next season, the whole month leading into the Tevis, the next season, I only mounted and dismounted from the right. And that went away entirely. That's interesting, because you knew you could yeah, bail on either side. Stuck. Yeah. yeah, I didn't feel stuck. I felt equally coordinated, and then all of a sudden that went away. <laughs> that helped a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Do you walk a good part, or do you? I know Jeremy does, but do you walk at all? Um, I did the first canyon uh, down the descent on foot, and the rest of the ride I rode. Is are the ups or downs scarier for you? And I get a different answer every time I ask an endurance rider that. Um, neither ups or downs are scary. The okay. scary, the thing that makes it scary for me is if the trail gets too narrow, and there's a steep, you know, edge yeah. on one side, and it's just too narrow, and it looks you know, suspiciously like it's going to crumble into non-existence. That's when it gets scary. Yeah, that's when you're on that loose shale rock, and there's just nothing good about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing good at all. (laughs) Well, I think that should scare everybody, shouldn't it? Because, I mean... It should. Yeah. Yeah, if it doesn't, you should probably have a talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) So Karen had some more questions, a couple more questions. Um, She wants to know, and this you can tell this is one endurance rider asking another, do you have a good luck charm? of any kind that you carry with you? Nope. No? I don't. Not not superstitious, so we'll rule that out. Um, Yeah. And she wants to know, and again, this is one endurance rider to another, you can tell. Do you sleep at night, the night before Tevis? Do you get any sleep? This time, I did not sleep that well, and it was kind of comical. So we got a new trailer, a new little trailer, and we put a mattress in there that was new. And the mattress, for me, was not very comfortable. And then to top that off, our truck has automatic uh, airbags with a compressor on it. 
and we discovered there was a leak in the airbag. And so, of course, we're sleeping directly, you know, directly above the truck. So every 10 minutes, when we first got in bed, we were doing, you know, filling air. I was like, oh, my gosh, the whole camp probably hates this right now. (laughs) And after the third time of this, now it's 1030, uh, Jeremy's like, that's it. And there was no way to turn it off, no kill switch, no fuse. He's like, that's it. He got up. He got some scissors and he just cut the line. He's like, we oh can't my do that God. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are done with this. Yeah, we're not going to keep everyone awake and we're not going to hear this every 10 minutes. So that was the end of that. Um, after that, we slept okay. But, you know, and then after the race, after I finished and Jeremy gets pulled and we're both there, we still had two more horses in the race. So we were up crewing till our final horse finished at 4.30 a.m. So we were still on, still crewing. And we sent our crew home after I finished because they were up all day. So then it become, you know, us crewing at the 2.30 finish and the 4.30 finish. It was a pretty long day. Yeah. So you were up basically 48 hours straight. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So that that just goes to show you, too, that it doesn't matter what kind of rig you have. You're going to have issues. It it just happens. (laughs) Yep. It doesn't matter how big it is. Um, So... One of the so with a horse like this, which is a basically a, a catch ride for you, is it mm-hmm. a horse that you've ridden before? Do you ride it in other races? Uh, do you sometimes go in cold with these horses? So I've ridden this horse before the starting line twice. Um, actually, three times if you count. I got on him to check the saddle fit one day for about five minutes. So I've ridden him on two actual rides and then the saddle fit day. But I rode him two years ago on a 50-miler uh, with my friend Hillary, who owns him. And at that point, I had requested a Tevis ride on this horse because he was so cool. And he felt like the kind of horse that could get the job done. And then that fell together this year. Well, that worked out then. Cool. Very yeah. cool. Yep. So what's uh, next for you? So we have two horses going to the WEG, uh, not for the U.S. They weren't selected for the U.S. So we have a rider from the U.K., and a writer from Israel that we're going to go and be on their crew team and support, you know, our horses that they're riding. And then the weekend following that at the Biltmore is the AERC National Championship. So we'll be doing that as well. Oh, so they're back-to-back? I didn't realize they were that close. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of odd. The scheduling's a little odd on that. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of odd. Um because there's and they're not using the same track at all, though. As far as I understand, no. The, right? the two venues are about forty five minutes away from each other. Right. Yeah, that's what I thought. We really like following you both, and congratulations again, Heather, for for your third victory. And we'll see you back there again next year. Yes, and I, I have to give a shout out to thank my husband for all the support he's given me through all this craziness this season with all the horses. <laughs> and I'd like to also thank uh, Mark Sherman for training this horse for you know a second-time victory as a team of Hillary, Mark, and I with French Open and now Cayucos. Uh, at this point, there's nothing in the schedule, but that could change easily. Okay, cool. Well, thanks, Heather. Appreciate it. What's the website everybody can follow you guys or Facebook? We have uh, ReynoldsRacing.us is our website. Okay. Very good. ReynoldsRacing.us is where you can find them both. Thanks, Heather. Okay, thank you. The Opium Equation is the first of the Cat and Wright mystery series written by Lisa Wysocki. It features Cat and Wright, a Tennessee Appaloosa horse trainer, Darcy Whitcomb, teenager with a trust fund, Bubba Henley, a budding juvenile delinquent, and John Gardner, a mysterious barn manager. And of course, there's Sally Blue. 
Thank you to the publisher, Cool Titles, for allowing us to read this book. If you want to read ahead, all four books in the series are available in stores and online everywhere or at lisawysaki.com. Epilogue. I am happy to report that so far, Adam Dupree remains in jail and is awaiting trial. Now that Opal is off the mind-numbing drugs and once again mentally strong, she has hired Adam the best criminal defense team in the county. She is still operating on the assumption that even while she can't help the dead, she can try to save the living. Deputy Giles received a commendation from Sheriff Big Jim Burns. It was a formal ceremony held last month on the courthouse lawn. If you think it was a big gesture on the sheriff's part, Think again. The sheriff made sure all the media turned out and he twisted everything to look as if the deputy just carrying out the sheriff's orders. Deputy Giles gave the medal to his mama and then spent the week fishing on the Kentucky side of land between the lakes. Speaking of the deputy, his brother Brent and I have gotten together for a meal or two. And Brent was right. He does make great lasagna. I enjoy his company very much, but we're taking things slow. I believe that good things come to those who wait. If we still like each other after the coming show season, then I think it's a relationship that just might stick. It would be nice to have a man like him in my life, but time will tell. To my great disappointment, Carol Carson decided not to compete this year. About the same time the decision was made, a brand new cabin cruiser showed up in their driveway and Keith announced that they plan to spend their free days in the summer on the river. My guess is that with Keith's heavy touring schedule, they take the thing out three times max. I like Carol very much as a neighbor and a friend, but know that despite her full life, something is missing. Robert Griggs also decided not to compete and resigned his position as a nurse in Vanderbilt's pathology department. Last I heard, he was volunteering, volunteering at a therapeutic writing center in Franklin. Other than a real and ongoing concern for the stability of my body, John Gardner has withheld comment on the entire affair. We never did that have, have that little talk. As the boss, I know it is up to me to initiate the conversation and give him my thanks and apologies, all the while begging for forgiveness for leaving him in the lurch and endangering his livelihood. But you know how I am. I don't like big, messy, emotional scenes. John continues as my assistant, but I know the day will come when we have that big discussion and we won't be the best team we can be. Hill Henley went on a major bender when he realized Glenda had died without paying him for the horse. But the episode scared him enough to begin rehab at Cumberland Heights, a good rehab center just up the road from us. He says he wants to be a better father to Bubba, but I don't think he knows how. Still, it's a good beginning, and I know Bubba is worth everything Hill does to make himself a better parent. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Despite Hill's wish that Bubba stick close to home between time at Carol's and with us here at the barn, he isn't home much. John and I put Bubba to work cleaning tack or mucking stalls whenever we can. Most of the time, however, Bubba can be just found sitting quietly crooning to Sally in her stall. I think it's time well spent for the both of them, so for the most part, I leave him alone. Since the incident, as I tend to call it, Darcy has taken over the daily training of Peter's Pride, and she's doing such a great job that it scares me. Their first show of the season is coming up in several weeks, and I feel like this time around, Darcy's mind is eager and focused. I have no doubt that they will beat the pants off all the competition. Agnes finally got her pom-poms, albeit a little too late in the stage to rally at the sheriff's office, but she was able to put them to good use at Sally Blue's first competition under saddle last Sunday. I'm not sure whether the pom-poms had any influence on the judge, but Sally won first place, and Agnes is now in the process of developing an official Sally Blue website, Facebook page, and fan club. 
All the social media attention caught the eye of a horsey podcast called Horses in the Morning. I'd been aware of the show on the Horse Radio Network because my friend, Lisa Wysocki, sometimes serves as a fill-in co-host. And I have a sneaky suspicion that she tipped them off to all that's been going on. I'm going to have to talk to Lisa about that. Anyway, it turned out that I had lovely time talking with host Glenn Hebert and Jamie Jennings and producer Jen, even if Agnes did call in so often that she crashed their Skype system. I swear, I could hear Agnes shaking her pom-poms all the way from Louisville, but maybe Sally Blue was somehow allowing the sound of them to come through. Truly, I have no idea what that mare is capable of, and the interview really was all about her, even if Glenn and Jamie tried to ask me about being kidnapped and all that. As for Sally, maybe she is really psychic. I thought about all the clues she gave us. Her obsession with pawing and digging the ground could have symbolized the cave. The blowing of bubbles in her water might have indicated the wetness of the underground cabin. A cavern. She often looks towards Fairbanks, and there was the riding session where she whirled towards the old mansion every time she came to the gate. And Sally did find Glenda's notebook. It was probably all coincidence, but I love her anyway. Someone else I love. Hank continues to chew sticks and howl at the moon. However, he just attended his first horse show and found a new calling as official stable greeter. He is also looking forward to a long and illustrious career. As for me, well, against all advice, two weeks after my release from the Cheetah Medical Center, I took the inaugural ride on Hillbilly Bob. Doc Williams, Bob's owner and orthopedic genius, has me undergoing daily whirlpool sessions along with an entire assortment of -of state-of-the-art physical therapy. The end result is that after six weeks, I'm almost back up to snuff. I try not to think about all that's happened, but it's hard not to look at Fairbanks without it all rushing back. We'll be heading out this summer for show season soon. I think the time away will be good for all of us. And as Opal would say, time heals the deepest of wounds. I think we'll be gone a very long time. The end.